If you're a business or brand that sells physical products, doing this one thing could ultimately lead you to go out of business. What exactly is this one thing? That's exactly what I'm going to talk about in today's episode. What's up, guys? Matt Wyke, Wyke Fitness. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. So, as the intro mentioned, there's one thing among many, but this one thing could ultimately lead you down the path to going out of business. What is that? It's coming out with too many products. Now, before you get all up in arms and saying, well, how am I supposed to grow my business if I can't, you know, expand? I get that. However, now I'm just going to talk about the supplement industry because quite frankly, that's part of the industry that I'm in. That's what I know. But this transitions over into basically every other industry that's out there. So hear me out. So if you look at a brick and mortar retailer, they only have so much space on the shelves. So if you have maybe five products in your portfolio of products, maybe you have a a protein, a creatine, a pre-workout, a BCAA, and you know maybe a, a fat burner. Those are your five, okay? So those are your five core products. Now, if you have a protein, obviously you're probably going to have a vanilla and a chocolate, maybe even more flavors, okay? So now you're up to seven, technically, you know, seven different products that you could have on your shelf. You have your creatine, which you could have a pill and a powder, all right? So now you're looking at nine. If you have a fat burner, that's 10. If you have the BCAA, let's say you have even just two of those, you know, you're looking at 11. So you have, ultimately, if you have five different products, you're probably going to have at least 10 that can sit on, on the shelf. So 10 different SKUs. Now, You might be saying, oh, that's great. I can have all of that shelf space to myself. Therein lies problem number one. You have to get those products on the shelf, which means you're going to have to take someone else's spot on that shelf. So what are you doing to differentiate your product and your brand to that retailer? Why should they give up space of a product that could potentially be selling on a whim that your product is going to do well. Then, once you're on the shelf, how are you going to stay there? Okay? But then you decide, hey, everyone's coming out with this new test booster. Well, that wasn't one of your five. So guess what? Now you want to create a Me Too product, come out with the test booster. So now you're up to six products, but, you know, probably closer to 15 SKUs that can go on shelf. Now, here's the problem. That retailer might say, I don't have any more space for your products. So I can't bring in your new test booster. If I do, I'm going to have to get rid of your, pick whatever product, creatine product. I'm going to get rid of your, your BCAA product, whatever the case may be. So now you're trading dollars. Now, could that so-called test booster that we're using the example of that everyone's launching that you now created to have, you know, a me too, just like everyone else to follow the trends. 
Could you trade dollars and still end up positive at the end of things where, you know, your net sales are going to grow in that specific brick and mortar mom and pop supplement store on the corner because the BCAA wasn't doing enough. Test booster took its spot on shelf. It's producing more sales. So you make a little bit more. Yes. But then what does that do with your BCAA? Now you're stuck with inventory. What are you going to do to get rid of that inventory? Are you going to sell it at a discount to try and blow through it? Are you going to discontinue that product? Or are you going to continue to try and push it? The fact of the matter is, the more products that you come out with, obviously it expands your reach and you know your potential to you know, have a loyal customer continue to use your products because they suit their needs and they're used to that brand and that, you know, specific company. But at the end of the day, you're going to end up spending more money on the marketing. You're going to spend more money to push it, to get it out there, to get trial, sample packs, demos, uh, you know, travel, your sales guys are going to have to learn new things, which again, I'm not saying that this isn't going to work. What I am saying is it's going to take work. You're not going to launch a product and instantly have it be on shelf, especially in a competitive market such as the supplement industry. Retailers only have so much room on the shelves. What do you have that no one else has that somebody's going to come in and want to buy your product? What marketing campaigns can you surround a product which is a me too product. I mean, let's face it. There's only so many ways that you can market a creatine product. For the most part, they're all the same. Sure, absorption's a little bit different. Transport might be a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. So how are you going to differentiate that product from everything else if you are going to launch your own? It's very difficult. Obviously, some people get away with false claims, false advertising, but eventually they get sued. They get, you know, cracked down on and that product disappears. Maybe the brand disappears, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, you get lawsuits against them. But I think brands need to be more strategic and looking at the long term. There are far too many brands who will come out and no you know, full and well that what they're saying is false. And it's, it's not as prevalent in the industry these days as it was in the past. I I mean, in the past, there were brands who would come out with a product and say, Oh, this has this great new creatine in it that nobody else has. You know, we have it patented. Well, it, it ended up, there was no such thing as this creatine. They got sued. They had to pull the products off the shelf They even included this ingredient in some of their pre-workouts. So the fact of the matter is, you know, those types of brands will get away with it. So let's say they have 6 million in sales on that product. They get sued for 2 million. Okay, cool. So you you just netted 4 million. Guess what? They're going to go back and they're going to do the exact same thing again. Maybe the next product, they're going to make 10 million. Maybe they get sued for five. Cool. We just netted another five. So, you know, you have to look at these things and look at what the long-term strategy is going to be. And and I highly, highly recommend and suggest that brands stop creating all of these Me Too products. 
very rarely does anyone ever follow, you know, suit with, uh, you know, whatever new, uh, shiny labeled product hits the, the shelves. Very rarely, if that one takes off quickly, does anybody else come in and really steal the market share? I mean, you can look at guys like, um, let's use VPX for example. Their their VPX Bang, the RTD energy drink that you know has all these different ingredients in. Which uh, obviously, if you look at the ingredients, it's, the dosages aren't very spectacular. It's more of an energy drink versus the performance energy drink category, like what you know they're they're claiming it's for. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know at the end of the day, they came out with this VPX Bang. They now own that piece of the market. Now you have guys like Coca-Cola who who owns part of Monster that, you know, Monster Energy is launching a product called Rain, R-E-I-G-N, which is going to be a direct competitor of VPX Bang. And if you follow my my content, I actually wrote an article about this topic where, you know, can Monster Rain steal market share from VPX Bang? And and my answer was kind of, yeah, not really. And, and it's the same thing with what I'm talking about here. If you can be innovative and come out with something that nobody else has, you're going to differentiate your brand and your new product compared to anything else that's on the market. So that's going to create its own buzz, its own hype. And that's what's going to help sell the product. So yes, you're going to have to market the product to get, you know, eyeballs on it to make people aware that, hey, we just launched this cool new shiny product, you know, go pick it up. But, you know, at the end of the day, know that people are going to be coming after you. They're going to be, you know, trying to copycat you. So you want to lock that up as soon as possible. But the the fact of the matter is, these brands, if they don't steal a good portion of the market, at the end of the day, they're not going to make a ton of money off of it. They're going to end up having a ton in in inventory. They're going to have a ton in raw materials. And quite frankly, it could hurt them in the long run. This product could, you know, put put them in, you know, financial constraints where they're kind of like, man, what what do I do? You know, we're, we're in the hole. We got to pay off, um, you know, all of our suppliers. We got to pay this person off. We're waiting for money to come in from retailers who need to pay us on, you know, net 30, net 45, net 60, 90, whatever the case may be. What are we going to do? Where are we going to get this money from? And ultimately, you know, coming out with all of these me too products and expanding your line when you're not getting the distribution that you need in order to, bring in the cash flow that can keep you guys afloat could lead to your demise. It could cause you to go out of business. Now, will the larger supplement companies take more of a risk because they have more? Yeah, generally. Whereas if you had a, a small um, you know, supplement company who maybe has two or three products, coming out with another product that would be a me too and hoping that you can get shelf space and distribution on it is is going to be next to impossible and 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 I don't want to discourage a lot of these smaller brands but it's difficult for 
you know, these up and coming startups to really gain any traction. I mean, you have people that are walking through supplement retail doors every single day. You have people that are shopping online every single day, but they're shopping for the same thing. They're walking in looking for the optimum nutrition, you know, protein powder. They're looking for a certain pre-workout. They're looking for a certain amino acid. They're looking for certain test boosters, so on and so forth. They have brands that, quite frankly, started a segment of the industry and they own the market share. So it's very difficult to go in and steal market share when somebody, quite frankly, has the reputation of having the best product in there. Now, if you can create a better mousetrap, a better product, cool. Maybe it's a, a, a better price for the same quality, which in the end, you're probably just shrinking your own margins. But that's not to say that people aren't doing it. But if you can take a formula and enhance it and make it even better, which is where I think Monster Rain is doing a better job than VPX Bang in in the sense of having, you know, scientifically dosed ingredients in a product versus fairy dusting something and saying it's got super creatine and, you know, CoQ10 and all this stuff in it when it's fairy dusted and it's not going to do anything, you know, for you from a, a benefit standpoint. It's, it's just marketing. Oh, hey, it's in the product. You just expect it to be something that's going to be helpful and useful, and it's really not. So, you know, the whole VPX bang, Monster Rain, uh, you know, battle, I think Monster is going to completely destroy the market, you know, the performance energy RTD market with Rain, but it's going to be more in um, like a food, you know, drug mass type of market, you know, convenience Whereas VPX Bang has a cult following already, but that's in the fitness industry. So will some of these people from the fitness industry, you know, change and jump ship over to Monster Rain? Yeah, they could. If the convenience factor is better and the price point is better, maybe they like the flavoring better. But, you know, in the end, the cult following that VPX Bang has is going to continue to sell. And for them... It's smart to say, hey, we're going to launch some new SKUs. We're going to come out with some new flavors. We're going to have a flavor extension of, you know, that line because they own that piece of the market. They know that if their products are selling, they're going to introduce a new product, a new flavor rather, and it's going to do well because people are going to get trial right away. You can be like, oh man, I like this flavor. I like that flavor. If I like all these flavors, then I'm going to try this one because I'm probably going to like it too. Now, you know, will that hurt the sales of some of the existing flavors? Yes, that's that's the the nature of the beast unfortunately when you have you know a, a product extension or a flavor extension of a line, you know, it it catabolizes some of those sales. So you have to expect that. But if it doesn't completely destroy the sales, in the end you're probably going to make out better. But, you know, again, I I think people need to realize that Coming out with new products and new flavors when you haven't really established yourself in the industry to start with is probably a bad idea. And even if you're a legacy brand, coming out with a product, which is a me too, 
piggybacking off of the success of other brands, yeah, you might pick up some incremental sales here and there, but at the end of the day, it's just going to create more of a frustration for you because it's another product in your inventory. It's more raw materials that you're going to have to deal with. It's more overhead, you know, if you if you work with the manufacturer to have it produced. There's just a lot of moving pieces and and moving pieces that I don't feel you're going to get the most benefit from without pulling your hair out in the long run. So in the long run, I think really you need to look for a long-term play of launching a new product that has some innovation behind it versus a Me Too product that's going to you know sit on the shelves and have to compete with all the other brands that are already there selling. It's going to have to almost be like a bait and switch from the retailer. Sure, if if product X is, you know, the majority holder of the market share, cool. If you come out with a product that the retailer is going to make better margins, yeah, maybe that retailer is going to go, hey, product X is this price. You get this amount of servings. Product Y over here is the same product, same servings at a lesser price. But but that retailer knows that not only will the end consumer be saving money, but their margins are going to be fatter as well. They're going to do the old bait and switch. They're going to try and educate the person to make a better decision. But at the end of the day, that takes work on the retailer's part. Not every retailer wants to have to work to make a sale. If you have somebody that's walking in the door, they want their Optum Nutrition way, let them have it. Why Why would you want to work, spend the time and energy to, to switch somebody over when you already have a guaranteed sale? Now, unless, unless you're somewhat upset with the brand, I don't see any reason why you would want to bait and switch somebody if they already know what they want. Now, if they come in and they grab Optimum, and I'm just using them as a, as, a, as a placeholder here. I'm not using them because I'm saying that they're the best or, you know, they need to do this or this or whatever the case may be. It's just, that's the number one selling protein, you know, in the U.S. basically. So, you know, the, the Optum Nutrition Gold Standard, it's been around forever. There's a whole bunch of different flavors. They, they truly own most of the market when it comes to the protein powders. So that's why I'm using them. But for somebody to come in, unless they say, hey, I've been used to having this Optimum way. I like it, but I'm ready for something different. What would you recommend? Then at that point, it makes sense for a retailer to go, okay, cool. If you if you like the Optimum, I'll tell you what, this brand over here, similar profile. You know, I personally, I think it tastes better. You know, it's got this in the profile. It's got that. You know, maybe it's got, you know, zero carb or super low, or maybe it's got this or different type of formulation, or it's got different you know, innovative ingredients included into it, whatever the case may be, you can fill in the blank with whatever. But unless somebody wants to change, I don't see the purpose of a lot of these retailers trying to bait and switch people over to something different. It just doesn't make sense. People are going to walk through the doors and buy what they want. And who is the retailer to say, ah, that product's crap? Well, if it's crap, then why do you have it on your shelf? So, of course, the retailer wants to sell whatever is on his shelf. It's just normal. That's normal business practices. You got to move through your inventory. If something doesn't sell, you push it out and you replace it with something new. But again, it comes full circle with what we actually started with. In order for you to gain shelf space in the market with all of your retailers, 
You either have to have a better product than what's already on the shelf for somebody to, you know, end the relationship with somebody or discontinue products to, you know, further your line in their, in their, you know, retail space. Otherwise it's not going to happen. You're, you're going to end up having to decide if I only have this amount of space in this retailer, what products are going to give me the best sales? And that comes down to, you have to work with your retailer. Who comes in the door? If, if, you know, 50 plus percent are women, you're probably not going to want to put a test booster in the mix on the shelf. Maybe you're going to put it in a fat burner. Maybe you're going to put in, you know, a, a low carb type of protein powder. Maybe, you know, you're going to put in some CLA. You're going to put in some, you know, whatever. Again, you can fill in the blank with whatever example you want. But Trying to add more products to your portfolio could be detrimental to your business, especially if you don't get trial, you can't market it to the point where you get that trial, sales don't take off, you're paying money to try and get shelf space, you're not trying to buy slots and say, well, how much is is this company uh, you know, making with this product on a monthly basis? How about I slot the product? I'll sell you the product. I'll also buy that space for X amount of dollars per month. And let's see how it goes. Like you're, you're spending money to try and make money, which obviously, yeah, you have to do. That's part of business. You need to invest. But the bottom line is it's not always going to be, you know, your best play. So that's really all I wanted to talk about today. I just, I hate when, when especially smaller brands are launching all of these me too products thinking that it's going to help them in the long run when it's it's not it's going to put them in you know some financial constraints cash flow is going to go down they're going to be you know working off of a shoestring budget so to speak and and that's just not healthy for a business but that's that's all i wanted you guys to to think about today if you're if you're a, a supplement company owner or you're in sales or you're in marketing or you're a brand manager, whatever the case may be, you know, hopefully you, you found some, some value and insight to this, you know, some, it, was, it could have pissed off a lot of people, but it could have made pe- some people go, Hmm, we were about ready to launch this product. It's a me too product. There's really nothing special about it. Maybe we should double down on what we have, try and gain more, you know, market share with what we have versus the risk of putting out another me too product and having it fail. And in the end, you know, lose money. So I hope that, you know, information helps some of you guys. Lots of stuff going on over here. Um, if you follow my social media, at Wyke Fitness, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Jimmy Mentis and I, which I'm sure you know the name Jimmy Mentis. Um, I mean, he's, he's, you know, legacy status in, uh, in the fitness industry. He's, he's had several supplement companies, done extremely well for himself. He and I are starting a business. It's called, or not a business, a, a podcast. It's called Fit Business. We'll probably start recording some podcast episodes in the coming weeks, probably following the Arnold. Um, obviously, this weekend is the Arnold Classic. Lots of big stuff going on out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who wins. Uh, I might talk about it next week. Who, you know, somebody who wins, and you know, maybe I'll I'll break it down a little bit. But 
we'll see. I know a lot of you guys aren't super interested in in the bodybuilding realm of things and the com- you know competitors, competitions, events, Arnold's, Olympias, stuff you know stuff like that. But hopefully, you guys found some some uh, information in this insightful and and gave you guys some ideas and maybe some stuff that you want to do for your business. But this is the type of stuff that that Jimmy and I are going to talk about a lot on on the Fit Business podcast. So definitely check that out. Um, we'll let you know on social media when the first episode launches. But it's it's going to be fun. I think <laughs> I think we're going to open a a bunch of eyeballs to uh, various topics. And I think we're probably going to piss off a lot of people as well in the process, but it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. You know, it's going to be factual. Uh, but I, I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy it. So with that being said, uh, feel free to check out the website, wikefitness.com. Tons of free content over there. Articles, interviews, blog posts, all the podcasts are over there as well. If you're watching this on iTunes, I hope you uh, subscribe. That way you get this every single week. You never miss an episode. And, you know, as always, I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel. Slowly and surely, one by one, we're getting new subscribers. But if you love the YouTube platform, please head over to Wike Fitness uh, on YouTube and subscribe. That way you guys can stay up to date on all the different podcasts that, that I'm putting out. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's always fun. I love talking to you guys. I do it for you guys, and like I say all the time, I don't get paid to do this podcast. I just love bringing you guys the value. I love talking to the microphone. I love talking to you guys. So I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. An amazing weekend. Good luck to all those out at the Arnold. If you're traveling to go out to the Expo and to watch the show, safe travels. And I hope to catch you guys next week on another new episode.